0: get IXL now. And listeners can get an exclusive 20% off IXL membership when they sign up today at IXL.com/audio. Visit IXL.com/audio to get the most effective learning program out there at the best price.
1: Welcome, welcome, welcome to a brand new episode of the Yoga Girl podcast, Conversations from the Heart. <laughs> Coming to you live and direct from a mold crisis, I am (laughs) still sitting on the very same Airbnb bedroom floor I was on last week recording this podcast. I have a lot to share. Honestly, the one big thing that I've really realized is that this crisis that we're in is here to stay. It's kind of hoping we would be out on the other side somehow magically through some miracle by now, but yeah, that's not the case. So we're going to talk today a little bit about crisis management. And I think it's it's really important that we have enough tools in our little toolbox of well-being, resources and practices and things that can help us when we're moving through a hard time. So I'm going to share just a couple of things that I am making sure that I'm doing right now to make it through this time. A couple of things I try to avoid, and just some general, like little tips for how to make it through a crisis. Before we dive in, let's take a moment to tune in, a moment to arrive, a moment to land. So, wherever you are right now, you know, however you're listening to these words, let's close the eyes. And with your eyes closed, you know, all the time, this is one of the things I'm going to share today, but I'm finding myself just with eyes closed, hand to my heart so many times throughout the day. You know, I, I really try to return to these these small, brief moments of just connecting to my heart, just tapping into the breath, even if it's 10 seconds, you know. So if you want, place your hand to your heart center right now, just right in the middle of the chest and make a real connection there. And I mean a really real connection. You can even just gently press the tips of the fingers into the chest. Move your hand around a little bit. Kind of like you're saying, I'm right here. You know, I'm right here. It's a little reminder that we actually live from this place. You know, we feel from this place. We breathe from this place. We experience life from this place, from the heart. I'm right here. And then with your eyes closed, if that feels good, just start to bring a little more awareness into the breath, a little more awareness into the body, letting yourself arrive to this moment here now. And then right away, just noticing the breath, the quality of the breath right now. You know, how is your breath treating you today? And how are you treating your breath today? And sensing inside, just if the breath today has lots of space, if there's already calm and depth around the breath, or if the breath feels a little bit restricted, if it feels tight or tense or short, and noticing that without any kind of judgment, right? Whenever we do these little check-ins, just that we don't judge anything that's happening inside of us as right or wrong or good or bad. There is no wrong way to breathe. And the breath that you have moving through your body right now probably is the perfect breath for you in this moment. You know, this breath, it makes perfect sense. And the beautiful thing about this practice is that we can work a little bit with what's going on around the heart and it will naturally soften and reflect in the breath. And We can work with the breath and make that conscious effort to slow the breath down and it will naturally reflect what happens and how we feel in the heart. It goes both ways. So chances are, you know, if your breath is short and shallow, mine has been for the past week, I've had this feeling like I can barely even catch my breath, probably means that there's some stuff happening in your life right now. You know, that makes it hard for you to really be here and have enough space to invite that life force. You know, it requires a bit of safety for us to be able to really breathe deeply in that natural, organic way. When we lose our sense of grounding or when we lose that stability or safety, it's like the breath goes too, right? So working with the breath is a really important way to navigate safety again when we're going through a hard time. It's that reminder of no matter what's going on around me, I'm still right here. You know, I'm here in this breath right now. I can land and feel safe and held in my body right now. You know, my body is a safe space even when the world around me is not. So just taking a few moments right here with this breath this breath is yours with this body, with this moment. And then maybe giving a little bit more space to just whatever is overflowing in the heart right now. Oftentimes we have something there that that really needs attention, you know, an emotion, a feeling, an experience, a heart that just really needs our attention right now. And it's hard. Especially if we're not feeling safe right now, it can be really hard to feel held and supported enough to bring that awareness into what's hurting in the heart. So oftentimes we avoid those big things and then with time they start to overflow. So just sensing in your heart right now, what is that big thing that might be overflowing that might feel really big, really urgent in your heart, in your chest in this moment? I do these these little check-ins all throughout the day and oftentimes I get just overwhelmed with a feeling of sadness. Just I feel really sad. And it's like no matter how much I cry, there's more tears there. You know, the sadness doesn't go, it stays. Or sometimes the feeling that overflows in the heart is this feeling of absolute fucking joy, right? Just, man, am I allowed to be this happy? You know, maybe that's the case for you right now in this stage of your life. Almost the challenge can be giving ourselves permission to really feel joy and ecstasy and gratitude and real happiness. Especially when there's people in our lives struggling and there's people in this world struggling. Are we really allowed to be happy? You know, It can be just as hard to really hold ourselves in a place of joy as it is to hold ourselves in a place of pain. So noticing just what's true for you, right? So many of us are tuned in in this moment, listening to this podcast. We're going to feel a multitude of different things. So sensing in your heart which emotion feels the closest right now, which one feels like it's about to overflow or maybe like it's overflowing already, you know? Sometimes all we need is that one moment of bringing awareness to the heart, and we just start to cry. It's like the body has waited for us all week, all month, all our lives to just be here and let us feel all of the things that have been hard for us to feel in the past. So, whatever is here now, it's okay. Mm, I could cry just saying those words it's okay. It's okay to feel exactly the way you're feeling right now. It's okay to sit here with this body the way your body is right now. It's even okay to sit here and be here the way your life is right now. And you might be in the process of fixing a lot of things in your life. You know, there might be situations unfolding in your life you want to get away from, things that aren't okay, something you want to change, something that isn't healthy, that isn't serving you. And trusting that you're in that process, right, of changing what needs to be changed, of leaving what needs to be left, or of inviting what wants to be invited and held. But we need to carve out those moments in our day where it's okay to just be, right, where we can put all of that fixing and doing and changing aside, and we can just be the way we are and feel the hard feeling and be with the hard thing, right? So right now, as you listen to these words, any thoughts or you know ideas that you have inside about things you have to do or things you have to be or things you have to fix, just put them down. You know, right now in this moment, there's nothing you have to fix anymore. Really, all you need to do right now is just be here, hand to your heart, taking deep breaths, feeling what's here right now hmm. now if it feels good to just stay here with your hand to your heart eyes closed stay as long as you like you can listen to this whole podcast eyes closed tuned into your heart space it's a really sacred way to do anything you know we can make everything sacred listening to podcasts sacred practice you know if you do it in that mindful way If you wanna flutter your eyes open and just take a moment to look around the room, go right ahead. (sighs) Hey guys.
2: Knowing how to speak and understand a new language can be an invaluable tool when traveling, meeting new friends, or just even to master a new skill. But it's not always simple when you're bogged down by textbooks and structure classes. For a very limited time, listeners can get Rosetta Stone's Lifetime Membership for 50% off. Visit rosettastone.com slash rs10. That's 50% off unlimited access to 25 language courses for the rest of your life. Redeem your 50% off at rosettastone.com slash rs10 today. It's funny,
1: I <laughs> right before recording this podcast, I was dancing and singing with Leia Luna and Dennis in our little Airbnb kitchen. I, we're listening to Justin Bieber, Peaches. It's the best song. Okay. You know, when you like find a song and you can't stop playing it, I can't get over this song. I think it's so good. Leia knows all the words already. It's hilarious. And you know, we have this moment of joy and you know, we all hug. We do these family hugs where we pick Leia up like at the same time and we just hug each other and she's so funny right now and just hearing her like try to sing that little like Justin Bieber rap song it's really hilarious you know and then I, I come up here and I sit down to record and it's like I could just bawl my eyes out right now you know this podcast is called from the heart and I really feel like these these days these weeks I am living from the heart everything I say and do is from the heart It's like that that saying, like having your heart on your sleeve. For me, the feeling is like I have my heart and my hands held up for the world to see. Like my pain is here. My joy is here. My crisis is here. Like everything is just out in the open, like very, very close. I can touch on any emotion at any time. That's what it feels like. And I guess in a sense, that's what what a crisis does, you know? Like whenever we're going through an extended hard time, like to me, like what is a crisis? A crisis is an extended period of having a hard time, you know, maybe through something that's out of our control, just a big struggle, right? I I wouldn't call a crisis something that just happens once in a day and then you're over it. It's like something that's lasting that you have to really make your way through. I've had a lot of crises, is that a word? (laughs) It's plural of a crisis, I don't know. I've had many in my life you know, some harder than others. And when I look back at them, it's never really so much, you know, what exactly transpired in my life that has determined how hard that crisis was or how long it took to get out of, you know, it's really more about what it's triggered inside of me that's left lingering from big things that happened when I was little. You know, I can give an I can give a few examples. Like, you know, I've had a lot of l- crises. I need to look this shit up because I feel like I'm gonna have to say crises, crises, many times in this show. Google what is crises plural? Crisis. <laughs> Stop it! How do I say that? Okay, I have to open a YouTube video.
0: What is the plural of crisis? Crises is the only way to make the noun crisis plural. When a noun ends with this, you need to replace the is with an S to form the plural.
1: (laughs) Okay, so a crisis is a crisis. Two (laughs) is crises. Okay, I get it. I get it. Thank, Thank you, YouTube. (laughs) Okay, now I'm like... (laughs) I think everything is ridiculous again, like I'm back to it. back to Justin Bieber peaches, should we just have a dance party and not, not talk about crises? <laughs> so anyway, when I look back in my life, you know, having had a crisis that has been really, really, really hard, it, it is less about exactly what happened. I've had things come my way that were really, you know, really hard, but somehow I overcame them fairly quickly. Like, it's kind of bizarre when I look back at that, like somehow I could just move through and get to the next place. And I think about this thing and people would go like, oh, man, I can't believe that happened to you. And actually, I I was I was kind of OK, even though it was very, very, very hard, you know, and it really depends on my state of mind at the time. How grounded was I? You know, how solid was my self-care practice? Did I have support? Did I have people to talk to? You know, things like that. And also age. Of course, things that happen to us when we're little are much harder. We don't have the tools to cope. Any trauma or crisis that happens to us before we're seven years old, you know, is called one of those life-defining things. It kind of becomes part of our backbone, like it harms us the most. And then after seven, it's like we have a mature enough consciousness that we can deal with things in a more manageable way. And then, of course, things that happen as adults, it's like a whole different different thing, Right. So uh, like a good example of that, like I had a 2014, which was forever and always, you know, will be the hardest year of my entire life. My best friend passed away in a car accident and then she was supposed to be the the bridesmaid in our wedding. So we got married in the same year. It was just so much that happened that year. And then our dog Pepper died. My grandma died. And then my mom tried to commit suicide. All of that happened within a year. Like that was an 11 month span. Like all of that, all of that happened. And I could, like, one of the things that was really shocking to me at the time, because there was so much death, right, that the, one of the hardest ones, the hardest trauma of all of those traum- traumatic things that came my way in one year was that Pepper died. You know, like the death of my best friend, like I wrote a, I wrote a book about that, To Love and Let Go. I mean, it's, it, it will go down as the, the hardest thing I've ever ever had to navigate and hopefully the hardest thing I will ever have to navigate you know and I and I really was in that place of this grief was so unmanageable and big and large and then my grandma died and I remember having this feeling of like I can manage that I don't know it was just a total different feeling I almost I think about it a lot like I I, sometimes I wonder did I process that she that she passed away she was a hugely important person in my life I loved her so much but it was like because of the magnitude of other things that happened then, it didn't penetrate my core, you know. And I don't know if it was because I had so many other things that were somehow worse. And I don't want to compare like one death is worse than the other. But, you know, like my best friend, she was 24. She was <laughs> driving from a concert. Like it was like this thing that wasn't supposed to happen. My grandma was old. You know, she lived a really long, really good life. So it was it was a different yeah, felt more like a natural way of life, right? Compared to the, this traumatic way my best friend died out of the blue, which of course, you know, you can make more sense of it when it's an older person. But I just remember that feeling of like, oh, okay, you know, and I think about her so often. And sometimes I think like, did I bypass that grief? Did I really hold her like the sorrow of, of, of not having her in my life anymore? Or did she just kind of get lost in all the grief that was that year? I don't know. And then Pepper died. You know, Sergeant Pepper was mine and Dennis's first dog. And that pain, I, and I was ashamed to say this for a long time, that pain was, it it felt more like a punch in the gut somehow. It felt more like my heart was ripped into a million pieces than when I found out that my best friend passed away. And the reason for that, and I sat with a lot of shame and guilt for around that for a long time, like, why did Pepper's death unravel me, you know? I mean, Andrea's death unraveled me, and it, I'm still unraveled from it. But there was still this sense of, like, I could hold on somehow in through that. And when Pepper died, I couldn't hold on anymore. And of course, it was the accumulation of having all of that loss, you know, in such a short time. It was like I had Andrea's death, and my grandma, and pepper at the same time like all of that became one big thing but for the longest time i couldn't figure out like pepper was a dog why can't i manage this death like i could cry about it right now i mean it's been how many years it's been seven years since he died and i can literally like at the drop of a dime just cry because i because that that death like it struck a different chord you know and i would like in my mind go like but he was he was a dog You're not supposed to be this upset about a dog, like, dying. And I was. It completely made me fall apart. The one time in my life I have ever contemplated not wanting to live was after Pepper died. And I was so confused by this for a really long time and ashamed by this. And, like, something was wrong with me feeling that way and, you know... And it took some work, like it took a lot of therapy and and some trauma groups and things like that for me to really realize the reason that Pepper's death was so hard and to this day will be so hard forever for me to manage and hold is because I feel responsible. You know, I really felt like it was my fault that he died. I still to this day feel like it was my fault that he died. Like I was his mom. I should have prevented it. I should have known I should have taken a different course of action You know, if I hadn't been so busy that year with the wedding and everybody dying and if I would have been more present with him, like I have still to this day, all of these thoughts in my head about I could have prevented it somehow, you know, and that feeling of responsibility I have had since I was a kid and not just about him. You know, I've had that feeling my whole entire life, like it's my job to keep people alive. It's my job to keep the world spinning you know, having a suicidal mom growing up, I always had that feeling like it's my job to keep her happy. It's my job to keep her alive. And then that's translated to everybody in my life. It's my job to hold everyone. Even though objectively in my mind, I know it's not. I'm an adult now. (laughs) It's my job to take care of my kid. Like that's it. You know, even my husband gets to take care of himself. (laughs) Like no other adult is my responsibility at all. And I get that in my head, but in my core, because all those things happened before I was seven, right? I was five when my, when my mom tried to commit suicide the first time in my life, it's ingrained in me, right? So then Pepper's death, who was a little one that was my responsibility, it hit this core that wasn't just, he was my baby and I loved him, you know, and I wish he was still here, but also I failed, you know, I failed him. I failed at my main job in this life. It's like my purpose for living is to take care and make sure people are safe. And I failed, right? So it became like with his death, this feeling of utter worthlessness. Like I just, like I lost everything, right? My whole sense of worth went out the door when he died. So realizing that has just really helped me put this different view on when you go through a trauma or a crisis, it doesn't actually have that much to do with of course, it has something to do with, but not all of it has to do with what exactly happened. You know, you can have deaths come your way and somehow make it through okay. And then you have something that looks smaller happen and it's like you unravel completely. And I'm sharing this because I've been really contemplating this. There's something around this crisis that we're in right now, which when I look at it objectively, I have been through so many more hard hard things. I have to, I've seen such worse things in my life. I mean, are you kidding me? Like right now... You know, we have lost our home, but it's not like we lost our home in a fire and it's gone and we know we can never get it back. Like the house is still there, right? There's hope. We have toxic mold in the house. We might be really sick. We might also not be really sick. Like I don't have those answers yet. We're waiting for this inspection that's going to happen now, April 19th. And then after that, we'll get this report that we can take to to remediation crews of what needs to be done to fix the mold and to fix the house and it's not until then that we'll know how much how extensive is the problem is it like we might as well tear the house down or you know we have to leave the house like we can't afford like we don't know we might lose the house altogether we might just lose majority of our belongings but it's like when i look at this objectively it's like why am i unraveling It's almost like adult Rachel is standing there, like, looking at this crisis, like, this is not that bad. Like, you know, get your shit together. It's just a house. But when I get to really hold myself in those really sensitive, vulnerable, quiet moments, this is triggering inside of me this massive, massive feeling of being unsafe, you know, and and, and through the traumas and things that have happened to me, especially when I was little, the most important thing for me in my life is stability. Like there's no, there, there's there's really nothing else that I, that I need to function really well. It's just I need I need safety, right? This is this is a struggle that I navigate all the time. Feeling safe, feeling like my feet are on the ground, feeling held, feeling like, you know, I'm okay here. And the way I've done that as an adult is through my home, right? I have literally like anytime, <laughs> anytime I have left over in my day in my week, you know, I would. F- finish a retreat or finish a teacher training and like go do something around the house like that's my thing is nesting i've been constantly nesting in this house for the past 8 years this house has been my sanctuary it's been my my safe haven my stability my feet on the ground it's like coming home to this harmonious space that i have created you know with with with, with every mean imaginable like this is my my safe haven and then having that ripped from under me it's just it it it's made me completely lose my ground and and i feel like the response i'm having to this it's almost bigger than what's warranted it's like i want to put on my big girl pants and be like it's just a house okay we're going to be in an airbnb for 6 months we will figure this out and i can't i can't get to that <laughs> i can't even get to that like capable adult headspace of like here's how we're going to move forward i feel totally fucking lost i feel like I'm in a dark sea, floating, like looking for a, for, for a lifeboat, and there's none, you know. So, <laughs> and I can share this now because like I'm having a steadier day today, but I am crying once an hour all through the day. I pause to like fall apart a little bit. And then I pick myself back up and like, you know, go make lunch or pick layup from school or something like that. And I still have this feeling all through the day, like I'm not okay like there's something in this where like I'm not okay and I also feel kind of ashamed that I'm not okay because I should be okay because I'm an adult and I shouldn't complain you know and I've had enough people on social media like tell me to stop complaining and just just deal with it you know just build and you know how many people told me just build a new house like okay (laughs) thanks that's super helpful You know, I, I, it's been two weeks now, we have two more days in this Airbnb, then we don't know where we're going to live. And then we have from April on, we have a friend of ours is is renting us his house for like half the price he normally rents it. It's like a huge, super favor. So we're going to have at least two months in this one same place, which I hope will help us ground a little bit. And the hard part is that we don't have any answers. And there's going to be this span of at least like six weeks where we don't have any answers. We can't have answers before this inspection is done and we get these tests results back. Like we won't know. And no matter what I do, it's like the universe is just telling me like, you gotta, you gotta hang out in this big dark sea and just float. You know, it's like I try to find something constant. I try to find something sure. Like I, I just wanna know what to do and I don't know. I'm in the not knowing and apparently I'm supposed to remain in the not knowing and that's it. <laughs> I know that like my whole struggle now is just accept that, that things are out of control. Things are out of my control. I can't fix this right now. And I'm going to have to linger in this hugely uncomfortable inability to fix anything for an indefinite period of time. <laughs> we might not have a home for the rest of this whole year. Like I really don't know. We might end up having to move to another country. We might end up losing all the money we have. <laughs> we might end up like, no, I, I don't know. Right. I, I don't know. You can tell by my voice how hard it is for me to just accept that I have to dwell in the not knowing. So yeah, that's where I am. And over the past couple of weeks, I have landed on a few things that are really helpful. I've also landed in a few things that are really unhelpful when it comes to navigating a crisis or a crisis of any kind. And I want to share a couple of them with you. Just because I I, I also I have this feeling that a lot of people are going through a weird ass time right now. I don't know what to tell you, but I have a bunch of friends of mine are like, yeah, the, these, this month is the strangest month. Like everyone was thinking that 2021 was going to be better than 2020. And for a lot of us, it's worse, right? It's like crazier. And it feels like it makes less sense because we made it through or we're still, I mean, we made it through a year of a pandemic and then still other hard things are happening. Like what is going on? I remember talking to my astrologer, Deborah. She told me that 2021 isn't going to be a cakewalk. She was like, it's going to be hard until May. May will come and we will feel lighter. And like, I know it's still still March. (laughs) So we have a little ways to go, but it's hard, you know. So if you're going through a hard time, if you're going through a crisis, crisis, sorry, one crisis at a time, (laughs) one crisis, two crises, If you're going through a crisis, one of the most helpful things to do or something that you really have to do, first of all, is to identify that you're in a crisis. And this, I think, is something that a lot of us just, we forget, right? We're so used to being resilient and strong. And then something really hard comes our way. We just roll with the hard punches, like we just roll with the hard things. And and one hard thing leads into another hard thing. And then all of a sudden life just feels really, really, really hard but we try to maintain the same level of productivity, we try to remain the same level of of life and lifestyle without actually acknowledging that hey, I'm in a crisis right now. You know, and I I can really sense this like in the beginning of this happening, I was just trying to trying to live the same way. Like okay, I need to get my computer over to this wherever we're going to live now and and we had this big thing planned and I hope we can still do it. We had a huge thing planned for yogagirl.com where I was going to be live every single day. And, and I was like, okay, we're going to figure this out and we're going to do that. And I'm going to be doing these lives. And then, you know, I have these astrology readings and then I have this course and I have this and this, you know, and I was trying to like be in this unbelievably hard thing while still continuing my regular life. Right. And it wasn't until I went like, wait, like we're going to lose our home. Like, wait, we don't, we don't have, we don't have a place to live. (laughs) wait a minute, I'm in a crisis right now. This is not just a hard day or a few consecutive hard days. Like this is a crisis. This is like fucking hard. Okay, identify that and accept that. That's the most important thing so that we don't kid ourselves thinking it's just a lot of hard stuff happening, but like zoom out a little bit, get a little bit more objectivity and go, wow, it's not just a hard couple of days. Like I'm, I'm going through a really hard time. I'm in a crisis right now. And now no one else gets to tell you what is and isn't a crisis, right? I mean, for a lot of us, like a a crisis is like somebody died or someone's super sick or going through a divorce or having like a really, you know, I can point to this massive thing, but you can be in a crisis from having made it through or pushed through a year of a pandemic and you end up in a depression, you know? Maybe you've been out of a job for a long time and you feel like I should be over this right now. And it's like, I'm not, you know, things that doesn't, it doesn't really matter what the thing is. It's about how you're able to cope, right? And if you're not able to cope, it's a crisis. So identify that you're in a crisis, that you're in that really hard time so that you can actually look at your life from a new lens. Like that's really the most important thing. That's number one, like identify that you're in crisis. And it's so funny how so many of us will work really hard to not, to not accept that we are in a really, really, really hard time, right? And then the reason we want to do that is to get to the thing that the next thing for me, which is 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 the most important thing to do is once you've identified that you're going through a really hard time right now, this is not regular life with a couple of hard things thrown in, like this is a crisis, is to lower your expectations of yourself. I mean, right away. It's like, you can't expect to function and be as productive and creative and function at this normal level, whatever normal is of your day-to-day life, when you're in a crisis the way you would when you're not. So lower your expectations of yourself. Like You're not going to be as productive right now. Do you have to be productive at all? Like, can you give yourself permission to scale back on everything you can possibly scale back on? For me, lowering expectations of myself meant like I had to cancel that thing, the big thing we were going to do on yogagirl.com. I had to go to the team and go, I can't, you guys, like I can't pull this off. I probably could because I've, I know what it's like to push myself really hard through really hard times, but this is not healthy for me, right? And it's going to add this other huge layer of stress to be in this massive crisis not have any ground and then go live every day and be like, Hey everybody, how you doing? And like, no, I can't do that. Like that's not, no. So lower my expectations of myself, canceled all my commitments, canceled all my podcast guests, canceled my astrology readings. Like I just, like, it's not going to be the end of the world. No one's going to die because I, I, I push things forward a few months, you know, in time, I actually have the luxury to do that. So why not do it? Right. Anything you can move or cancel or reschedule, do that. Just give yourself that break so that you can actually focus whatever energy you have on managing this time, right? Getting through the day. For me, lowering my expectations of myself includes everything, you know, and I'm really hard on myself in every area of life. But an example this past week, we've had takeout every fucking day. Like we have. I cooked one time, (laughs) like we got to this Airbnb and I was like, this is going to be fine. I'm going to do grocery shopping. We're still going to eat healthy. We're still going to cook. We're not going to like, you know, (laughs) eat eat takeout every day. Like, no, no, no. (laughs) And I, and I, what did I make? I remember feeling really good about cooking because I I even shared it on Instagram. Like, look at me in this crisis, still preparing healthy home-cooked food, like an idiot. I made like oven-baked sweet potatoes and quinoa and some salad. Like I don't know what I was doing. And there was no cutleries, like no silverware in this house, like cutting board. Like there was just, you know, you know, you know, like an ill-equipped Airbnb kitchen. You know, and I'm like trying to get by, like trying to peel a potato without a potato peeler and like I can manage. And it's like, why am I doing that? Why? What am I trying to what am I trying to, to pull off here? Like stop. Lower your expectations. Eat the fucking takeout, right? eat the takeout, Leia's diet, you know, in the past week, like I've had to lower my expectations a ton. Like normally we would eat slow cooked oats in the morning with like homemade apple, apple jam. And like, you know, just stuff that I take a lot of time to make. And we have a lot of stuff at home and, you know, we don't have anything right now. She's not going to be eating slow cooked steel cut oats. No, she's eating fucking cereal in the morning. Right. So that's a part of that, just lowering your expectations of yourself overall in every area of your life so that you're not adding more pressure and judgment onto something that's already really, really, really hard. So that's a really important thing.
0: This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what?
1: that is really important. I think probably one of the most important things when you are going through a hard time is that you get back to basics. And when I say basics, I mean basic needs. Drinking enough water in a day. Eating food. Okay. I'm just going to say eat food, not eat raw, vegan, super crazy food, not eat super foods, not eat healthy foods, eat food. Okay. Okay put food in your mouth, swallow that food, eat your, eat food, (laughs) eat your body, nourish your body, eat food, right? Back to basics that you drink way more water than you normally would. If you can, whenever we are going through a hard time, the body needs more hydration, literally like water cleanses the body, not just physically and physiologically, but emotionally too. It's like, drinking enough water in a day, it ensures that we function on every level, physiologically, emotionally, energetically, mentally, like our brain needs hydration, right? So what I do is I have these big jugs of water and big bottles of water and I'll fill them all up in the morning and just place them around the house. And I do that at home too, but I'll have like my cute little mason jars with lemon and I will make a pitcher of water with cucumber. Like I'm not doing that. I just have big like jugs and like refillable bottles of water, one in every room around this Airbnb so that whenever I end up in another room, I'm like, oh, there's water here and I drink some water. I make sure I never leave the house, even if I'm just going around the corner or I'm going to the store or whatever. I don't leave my house without a huge thing of water just so I'm reminded to drink and drink and drink and drink and drink. Because oftentimes when we are going through a hard time, we forget about these basic things, right? We stop taking care of our own basic needs. So drink the water, eat the food. Don't beat yourself up around what kind of food you're eating. Just eat fucking food. Any food is good. And like shower, you know, take care of yourself as much as you can, honestly. For me, that that the, the feeling of like water being cleansing, I also know that taking a shower or taking a bath or just being in water also helps to cleanse the energy of the hard thing. So whenever I've had like a really big cry or when I've had a big fight with Dennis. I mean, this could be a whole podcast with him on its own, but we are having a hard ass time right now. I mean, I love the man to death, but we're just, we're, we're, we're struggling right now. I mean, for sure, for sure. I think it's hard for him because he's not sick, right? It's hard for him to wrap his head around that we're literally out of our home for an indefinite time over something that he can't see or really understand. So yeah, that's hard. But so whenever you're having, yeah, an argument or a big hard feeling or hard experience, it's like taking a shower, even if it's a two minute shower, it just cleanses us from that energy and we can enter the next moment feeling a little more clear. So go back to basics and then breathing fresh air is part of going back to basics too. not saying you have to be like out there exercising every day in a certain way, but like going for a walk, things like that. The fact that we have our three dogs here is really helpful. They need walks, you know, at home, we have this huge yard. So if they have to pee in the middle of the day, I can just let them out and they're good. And then they get their long walks in the morning and in the evening. But here we don't have a yard. There's nothing like that. So it's like they need several walks a day and it kind of breaks up our day a little bit too. Like the dogs need to walk. That's a basic need, you know, of the family. So like go out, breathe some fresh air, get back to basics, take care of your basic needs. And then the next thing that is really, really, really helpful, and this is something that, that Dennis and I struggle with, we're just very different in this, in this way, but when you're going through a hard time, when you're in a crisis, that you vent, right? That you actually have people in your life you can talk to about this hard thing. And Dennis' way through a hard thing is he kind of clams up doesn't really feel safe to share doesn't want to bother people like he's not a communicative person in that sense and I really am so I think it's harder it's harder for him to move that heavy energy because he just sits with it whereas for me you know I'm venting right now <laughs> this podcast is a way for me to share how I'm feeling and when I share I process right I also go to therapy once a week I also have a bunch of girlfriends And guy friends that I can talk to, like I can pick up the phone and call one of them at any time and cry, literally. I also just send voice messages to my friends, literally crying if I feel like I can't call or whatever. And yeah, I mean, I would love it if Dennis and his guy friends had that relationship where they could voice message or call each other crying. Unfortunately, though, that's not, I think it's less accessible for guys to have that kind of relationship, right? Where guys are expected and sort of conditioned to not be as vulnerable and and things like that so if you can vent and share any way possible even if it's like this like start a podcast so you can talk about your feelings I, I, I i'm not kidding but maybe in a time like this that was a really good time to schedule extra sessions with your therapist if you have one or start going to therapy if you haven't been to therapy before Dennis just started doing sessions again with his therapist that he hasn't seen for like a year just because like this is a really hard time and, and he needs to talk to talk about it. We all need to talk about it. We all know what we keep in the dark. It grows there. It gets heavier there. We need to shed some light on the feelings and the hard things that are happening right now. It's just so we can process and move some energy, right? That's the really, really, really important thing. So vent, share, talk about it. The thing not to do, you know, is to hold it all inside and hold it all to yourself Because the longer you do that, the more you're going to get stuck in this idea that you're all alone and no one feels the way you do. No one's gone through what you go through. No one can understand or help you. And that's not true. Trust me. Trust me, it's not true. Even if other people haven't gone through the exact same thing, there are people out there who can hold you in this moment, who can just listen to you in this moment, you know, really, who can hold the space. There are literally apps you can do this at too. 29K, for instance, is a great app for sharings. I have my self-compassion course on there. And then, you know, there are people that have been in sharing groups from the 29K app that for a year that still share every single week with each other. And it's so good to have that outlet every single week. And I think when you're in a crisis, you need it every day. I need it several times a day. Like it really is that that kind of hard thing right now. So yeah, talk about the hard thing. The next thing that is really helpful, and this is like, it's going to be a little different for everyone, but to feel the feeling. And when I say feel the feeling, to really be and marinate in the feeling that's here now, like the practice we did at the beginning of this podcast, for instance, you know, to really place your hand to your heart, close your eyes, look inside, noticing that feeling that's overflowing right now and just be with that. Oftentimes when we're feeling hard things, we want to fix them, right? I mean, that's my go-to for everything. Oh, this is not working. I have to fix it, fix it, fix it. But when we fix, we bypass the experience and we jump into the, the next step, right? So the feeling is going to be there undigested. Before we can fix, we have to feel. I mean, that should be like a law that we learn in school. Before we fix, we have to feel. We can't fix without having processed the hard feeling that led us to wanting to fix the thing. So whether it's listening to podcasts like this, where you have 10 minutes at the beginning of every show to really be with a feeling, um, doing meditation practices or yoga practices or any kind of self-care practice that has a component of of holding that emotional space. You know, dynamic meditation is my favorite meditation for metabolizing emotion. I, I haven't done one these couple of weeks. I don't really feel drawn to it right now. Like it's a little too explosive for what I need but maybe where you are in your life, a dynamic meditation could be perfect, right? Or a shaking meditation or a burn, like anything that just gives you that, you know, two, five, 10 minute space to cry, to punch a pillow, to scream, to yell, to process the feeling, right? To not just talk about the feeling, but to actually be in it or doing that in therapy. It's a really good thing too. I did a session with my therapist last week where she had me track feelings in my body, which for me is such a helpful practice, because I'm good at talking about my feelings, but I need more space to just really, f- to, to really feel the tangible feeling, right, in my body. Like when I'm this sad, when I'm, I feel this stuck. And as she was guiding me, and I was really saying, like, you know, I have a four-year-old I have Dennis who I kind of feel like I'm dragging along in this crisis. Like, it's not like he's in the forefront, like holding everything together. Like he's very reluctant and resistant and that's super hard for me. So I have this feeling like I can't fall apart. I really, I cannot afford to fall apart even a little bit. I got to keep my shit together. I don't want Leia. She's already, she already knows something's wrong. You know, we've explained to her like there's something broken in the house like we have mold in the house and she knows mold from seeing it on fruit. Like, ew, yucky. You know, we have mold in the house. so We're going to be at uh, some adventures now in some really fun houses. And, you know, like I'm trying to keep a positive spin. But of course, she feels my stress and Dennis's stress. She feels our pain, our sadness. Like she's doing these things where you can't leave her alone, even in a room for one second. You know, like I'll go to the bathroom to pee, leave the door open. I'm telling her before I go, like, I'm going to pee. I'm right here. And she goes, uh-huh, uh-huh. And then I go pee and she looks up and she doesn't see me and she just loses it. She just cries at me. And I'm like, hey, I'm right here. So if I can sense for her, like she also has this, this feeling of stability, of groundedness, like is kind of gone and it kills me. Oh my God. I can't even really hold how, how hard that is for me to like, Yeah. But I have this feeling like no way in hell can I fall apart right now, you know, and I told my, my therapist that and she said, well, you have an hour here now, you know, maybe this is the one hour in a week, you, this could go on for months, right, that you have one hour in the week where you can really fall apart. So in that session, I did and I cried 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 and I got to really be in the body and, and experience that feeling of, of not having any ground. Like what is that like, like not feeling safe right now? And the feeling for me, and I keep feeling this throughout the day, it's kind of like like I'm cut off from the waist down. Like I go through moments in my day where I can't feel my legs. Honestly, I can't feel my feet. It's like I, I've completely lost my grounding. And when I sit in that, it's, it comes along with this terrifying feeling. And it reminds me of something like when I was little, not being able to run away, like wanting to run away, wanting to escape, but being frozen. It's like my legs don't work. That's the feeling. So when I got to be in that and not shy away from that and not spend all day trying to make sure I don't feel that scary feeling of not having any ground, right? But to actually be in that groundlessness for a moment and still be okay, like that's a really important practice that we can be in a safe enough space that we can feel the most terrifying things and acknowledge that I'm still here, right? I can be in that feeling of numbness, of total panic, of total fear and i'm still okay i'm still breathing i'm still here right and it's like we let ourselves touch on the scary place little bits at a time right that's healing i mean it is that's that's alchemizing that that hard feeling and we turn it into something else and in that session it was so beautiful because i got to really touch on this longing inside like when i have that feeling i'm frozen i can't feel my legs i'm numb like, what's the longing? What do I want to do? Well, I, I got this vision of myself running. <laughs> and this is so funny because it really relates to, to my life over the past few months as well. There's a field next to my grandma's house in Sweden. I haven't been in years, but there's this huge, vast field. She has horses. And I think, I mean, it's just a lot of space. And I had this vision of myself barefoot in this field running. And I mean, like, not like out for a jog, right? Like, like mud on my face, arms flailing by my side, like primal just running. <laughs> I mean, <laughs> that was my 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 therapist gave me that homework. She so was like this week like you're going to run. Doesn't matter how you do it, you know, doesn't have to be with your performance watch like out for for a proper run. Like go to the beach and just fucking run a little bit. You know, take your shoes off, be barefoot and just run. And I've been doing that every day since this started happening. Every day I've gone to the North Shore and I have shoes on. I mean, there's cactus and stuff everywhere there. You can't run barefoot on the North Shore. But I do this thing where I run as fast as I fucking can. And normally when I run, I try to run as slow as I can so I can make sure I can sustain the run, right? Now I'm doing the opposite. I'm like, fuck, I don't care if I end up walking the rest or whatever. I just run as fast as I can and because it's the it's a trail you know it's really narrow and there's big rocks and and things i have to be totally present in my body to be able to to sprint right in the trail and i run until i cry and it i get to that place every time where it's like it's so hard or i'm exerting myself so much or i'm just in my body so completely that i just start crying and eventually i'm crying so hard that i can't see the trail anymore and then i stop and then i just stand there and i just cry <laughs> it's kind of beautiful actually and when I like envision myself doing that like I did that yesterday the day before you know it's like that's kind of it that I'm not on a field by my grandma's house I'm not barefoot but I'm in that that place of freedom it's like some primal primal place where I don't give a shit anymore (laughs) where like I can fall apart but I'm still together it's okay I can unravel and I'm still here There's there's freedom in that. And that's what I'm longing for. And tapping into that every single day really is the most important thing. So that leads me to the next thing is to move your body, right? Feeling it all. And oftentimes to feel it all, we have to be in the body. Like there's no other way. And I'm not saying like in the middle of a crisis to put this pressure on yourself, like you're supposed to be working out. No, 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 no. You're not supposed to be working out. You just need some access point to your body as often as you can, right? And if that happens in this kind of sense, like going for a crazy... Like if someone saw me on the North Shore in this run... (laughs) <laughs> they would call the police i think like i'm just like screaming like a mad woman like there is literal dirt on my face because i'm crying and i'm in the desert and i run as fast as i can and sometimes i start singing when i'm running and i'm crying and i'm laughing and you know and i'm sweating and it's like man it's like a crazy thing so it's not this idea of oh i'm going for a 5k run anymore it's like i'm going to be in my body right because it's in my body that i can feel and release So, any way you can access that when you're going through a hard time, whether that is rolling at your yoga mat, you know, and doing a few yoga poses, if it's going for a crazy, like Phoebe and Friends kind of run, except with crying like that, jumping on your trampoline, you know, going for a swim, walking, something, dance party in your bathroom, like something that just helps you access your life force inside. Because oftentimes when we're going through a crisis, we forget that we're alive you know, the body gets all stiff and all we start reaching for things that aren't helpful. Right. First week of this, I froze. Like I really froze. Like I didn't move. I I was moving because I had to sweat for these mycotoxin tests that we had to do, but I wasn't moving to feel free, you know, to be embodied. I was just like, okay, I have to sweat. My sauna is broken. We have a sauna. It's worked every day since I got the sauna many years ago. And then the day I need it for this, it's broken. (laughs) So I've been like, okay, I got to move my body until I sweat. But now it's like, I got to move my body until I feel. It's not about the workout or anything like that. I just have to feel, right? And the, the doorway to feeling is in the body. The doorway to alchemizing feelings is through the body. So how can you move your body every day, even if it's five fucking minutes, right? But they should be intense enough that that it's hard, right? Like a really wild song turned up super loud and just go fucking bananas, like go berserk in your kitchen or something just to to get it out like move the body move the body move the body the body is the key right so way anyway, you can do that without expectation you know it shouldn't be anything around like oh i have to move my body so 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 i stay fit or so i stay thin or some some ridiculous idea like that no you gotta move your body so you can remember you're alive even in this hard moment Now, the last thing I want to share, and this has been a really helpful one for us. If it wasn't for Leia, we would not have been doing this at all. But when you're in a crisis, take a crisis break. (laughs) Take breaks when you can to put all the fixing that you have to do to get through the situation that you're in. Put it all away. Put it all aside and do something completely unrelated just for the sake of having fun over these past couple of weeks, uh, we went to the cinema, like in the middle of the day, took Leia and the Hunter, one of her best friends, and we went to the cinema. And we bought a huge thing of popcorn. We watched Raya and the Last Dragon, which was so good. I cried so hard. Leia kept turning to me wondering why I was crying so much. Like she, she kept thinking she didn't understand the movie because I was crying and unproportionate in proportionate amount like something would happen and she would like oh and then she looks at me and I'm crying she was like but wait mom what actually happened and I'm like no you're right it was just that but I'm just crying a lot like it was a really good movie but just to be there like having popcorn we drank a beer (laughs) Dennis and Olivia and I the kids had like huge thing of popcorn and we just like put our feet up and like really 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 enjoyed that movie like had fun right We've taken breaks to just go to the beach for a couple of hours and just swim and lie in the sun and like not talk about anything mold related or house related or living related. You know, taking breaks from your crisis to do whatever, you know, to be with a girlfriend, to go for coffee, to go have a glass of wine, to watch a movie, to, to whatever, you know, do normal things that you wouldn't do if you weren't in a crisis, like to still, still do those things, right? chances are that 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 you know you spend all day like that's what happens to me I spend all day from the moment I wake up till the moment I go to bed trying to fix something and that shit is exhausting like so exhausting so and this I can add as like a little bonus thing it was actually my acupuncturist told me this yesterday um, like I'm feeling good physically today I'm having kind of a bad day I don't know why I'm just a little snotty and a little coughy like I'm coughing not that I'm drinking coffee, except I am drinking coffee too. And, and I went to my acupuncturist yesterday and I was feeling low and just tired. And she told me the whole reason of everything you have going on in your body right now, of course, it relates to mold, it relates to all of this and you were sick. And she says, the biggest issue you have right now is you have a lot of heart fire. And I'm like, heart fire, this is Chinese medicine, right? I'm like, okay, so does that mean like I shouldn't drink coffee? Maybe I shouldn't be eating certain things. Like, should I be working, like running le- Like, I don't know. I'm just thinking maybe I should do less active, like, you know, foods and things like that. She goes, uh, no, like you can eat and drink everything you're eating and drinking. You just, you need to take care of your heart. <laughs> and I'm like, well, I mean, I am. And She says, you need to take care of your heart and rest Like there's a time for fixing, a time for energy, a time for mobilizing, and then there is a time where you have to put all of that down and just rest. So at six o'clock, she told me, no more phones, no more computers, no more finding solutions, no more emailing, no more any of that. At six o'clock, you put all of that away, you drink a cup of tea, and you stop. And I'm like, okay, well, I haven't been doing that, right? I've been up till like 1 a.m. every day on my computer looking for places to live. i talking to inspectors, trying to find, figure out budgeting for remediation, trying to figure out our finances. Like I have been frantic online all day until I go to sleep, you know? And her thing was like, there's nothing wrong with your body. It's not like you're sick. It's not this, it's not that. You just need more rest, right? Six o'clock, you stop. So that's my final thing I want to share is that especially when we are in those times of frantically trying to figure things out, right? We need to also remember that part of healing comes from stopping. Part of healing comes from putting everything down. Like there is a part of, actually part of figuring things out comes from letting go too, right? We can only push so hard, like there's a component of where we have to figure stuff out and put two and two together and get everything in order. But then there's a component of, of, of grace too, right? Of trusting that I can take a step back and, and stop now and life is going to take care of me, right? It's not up to me to move every piece of the puzzle into the right place. Like at six o'clock, I can stop. I can rest so that my body can heal, so that I can detox from all of these these toxins and things that I need to do or that I want to do as well, right, to get to a place of healing. Like I need to rest to get to that place. So at some point, there's also that, that letting go. And that's a hard thing because we can't do it, right? We can't force our way or push our way to letting go. Letting go happens out of grace when we put everything down. So that's something that I'm really wanting to do you know is to get to that six o'clock place every day and just put things down right to not to stop trying you know to accept that i don't know i have no answers we're in the sea of knowing i have no ground i don't feel safe i have no stability and that and that's where i am right that i at some point have to just accept that and let it all go (laughs) so those are my little tips. It's funny. I'm giving you guys advice and I'm like, I don't know anything. I don't know if I'm going to make it. I'm losing everything. But those are the things that I feel are helpful, you know, because I could go about this another way too. You know, I told Olivia yesterday, like, honestly, if it wasn't for Leia, I would be on a couch, like eating Ben and Jerry's. And I'm talking like five pints in a day eating chips like i wouldn't have a single vegetable in a day. I would drink wine every night. Like i would want to get to that place of being just a little tipsy, like not drunk because i don't like being drunk, but like a little tipsy every day so i don't have to feel, right? So i don't have to like worry just numb myself with something, with food, with alcohol. Like i have this longing to like binge watch a show i don't even like. <laughs> have you ever had that feeling? Like basically the the urge i have is i want to numb myself and i'm not Right. I'm not doing that. And if it wasn't I mean it's a huge piece is like thanks to Leia. Like we you know, she needs me. It's like it's like the thing about being a parent is you can't just fall all the way apart, right? I still need to pick her up from school and like be an adult and be a parent and be a human. And I'm really fucking grateful for that because it means I'm drinking the water and I'm doing my cry running. And like turning my phone off at six o'clock and like, you know, putting one foot in front of the other and making it through. So anything that anything that just keeps that little bit of light in our lives in a hard time, it's like, keep your eyes fixed on that point. You know, I'm keeping my eyes and my heart on Leia. And I know there will be a time where we're out on the other side. And I know because every fucking time, you know. I'll be here recording a podcast sharing the epiphany I had from going through this really hard time. <laughs> so I can't wait for that time to be here, but also for this moment, at least, I'm okay being right here. Thank you so much for tuning in. And I love you. You know, this hard thing that you're going through, you're not alone. You're really not alone. And I'm holding you in my heart and just feeling your presence and feeling your light. Wherever you are, I'm right here with you. I'll see you next week. Thank you so much for listening to this week's episode and a huge thanks to my sponsors. Please support them the way they support this podcast. This has been a presentation of Cadence 13 Studio. If you enjoyed this episode, please listen, rate, review, and follow all episodes of the Yoga Girl podcast, Conversations from the Heart. Available now for free on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Radio.com, and wherever you get your podcasts. I'll see you next week.